Morning. Well, I'm Martin. It's great to meet you this morning. Um, I've got a real privilege this morning to really push into what we've really sensed through our time of worship together. I think God's got a message about our identity, who we are, and how we define ourselves. And we're going to look at that through looking at chapters 5 and 6 of Exodus. The words will come up the screen as we um, read them. But before we read them, um, I want to remind us that we are looking at a series which we've entitled, He Draws Us Out to Draw Us In. And so far, we've seen that Moses um, is a man who has quite a complicated personality. He's chosen by God for a specific job, and he reluctantly um, has been brought into the front line of God's mission and purpose. And um, at the beginning of chapter 5, which we're going to pick up from near the end, you see, he, he does what God wants him to do. He's already met God at the burning bush. He's, um, he's gone and stood in front of Pharaoh with a simple message. Let my people go. And having done that, Pharaoh mocks him. Pharaoh laughs him out of court. Pharaoh says to the um, his chief slave drivers make life impossible for these lazy slaves. And the people turn to, to Moses and say, what have you done? What have you done? If you hadn't done anything, things would have stayed the same, but now they're worse. We're not given straw to make bricks. You've effectively given us a death sentence. We are obnoxious to Pharaoh because of what you've done. I'm going to read from 5 verse 22 and see how Moses feels about this. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they have resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And with mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore, with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. 
Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and hard labor. So this morning, I want to ask, how can we move from failing into prevailing? And as we look at these words, I want to start really with with Moses' complaint. You see, Moses articulates something that I personally have felt about God. Now, um, my own story of being here in Nottingham began 10 and a half, 11 years ago. My wife and I, Kerry, were given a really strong, clear call to leave our life where we lived in Wales and uh, move into a new career as a teacher, move to Nottingham, and establish ourselves here. And God opened all these doors. Everything fell into place. Our home was sold in the middle of a recession. And six weeks later, we were here. We were excited. God was on the move, and we were part of his plan. Kerry was pregnant with our first child, and everything was just coming together. It was amazing. But I fast forward nine months, and... I was sat in front of the education officer for Nottingham who was saying to me, you're not going to cut it as a teacher. You're failing. We think you should step away. There isn't a place for you in this career. You've chosen wrong. At home, my wife had our newborn son, and I felt like a failure. My failing meant that I felt I was the failure. And when I see these words of Moses, I see in it the feelings that I felt then. I see his hurt. I see his pain. His confusion. A sense of being abandoned. Let's read his words again. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you've sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Failure is painful. I can identify with the pain in Moses' cry here. And I suspect you can too. Those moments where you've stepped into something you feel God's calling you to, and it's not worked out. That job you've moved into, that, that wasn't what you expected. That career you've been following which falls apart, or that family that you've, you've made, and then you realize that it's not all it should be. It's not all it could be. And you feel that same despair and failure that Moses felt and that I felt. You see, this morning, I don't want to shy away from the failure that Moses feels. I want us to step into it. Because in stepping into it, I believe that we can see that as God draws Moses out of failure, he draws him close to himself. And that's what we're going to look at today. 
God strikes a new note in Moses' life. And he gives Moses uh, an understanding of who God is, which is way beyond what Moses could ever have expected of of himself. So I want to speak into two points this morning. And my first point is that God still chooses even when Moses fails. Now we do all fail, don't we? Failure is a thread that sadly marks our lives. I've shared one area in my life, but you know, it could be a daily sharing with you of the times where I feel as if I've failed. And that disappointment, that despair, that hopelessness, that helplessness, that robs us of the hope that Christ offers us. And that hope, when it's gone, can lead a void which feels as if it's just filled with loss, with shame, and with hurt. Those difficulties we experience, those nights our children don't sleep, those nights we don't sleep, those illnesses we have which rob us of the the joy of life, those relationships that we put so much store in that maybe we actually are responsible for them crumbling and the hurt that comes with that. Our tiredness, our failure to love those people as we should, Those things are what I want to talk about this morning. You see, if we stay stuck in a place of feeling like we are a failure because we fail, we cannot hope to step into what God has in store for us. We can miss out on our purpose. We can feel like Theresa May coming back from Europe with a Brexit plan and standing in front of the politicians who just say, no, no, we don't accept that. And we can feel like we're not accepted. And I just want to ask you this morning, have you ever wondered how image-bearing, spirit-filled new creations, children of God's, can know so much failure in our day-to-day living. It is a hard thing to talk about. We do feel, at times, abandoned. We do feel helpless and hopeless. And our life feels as if we're stuck in the despair and the pit of shame that we just can't get out of. I know when I've hit the buffers, when all said and done, I felt absolutely shattered. And that's what I see in these verses with Moses here. He is a man who feels broken. It feels as if the world has just collapsed in. And it's a horrible moment, isn't it? When we feel like we're on the right path. We know where we're going. And then it turns out that our ways beset with thorns 
it's as if wild animals are just running around us, and it's frightening, and it's scary, and we keep taking wrong turns. There are obstacles in the way. We feel lost. We feel overwhelmed. Our hope is eroded, and it feels as if at times, it's been washed away completely. I just want to say, if like me, you felt like this, if you feel like this, there is no shame in it. Please, take it to Jesus. He came to the hopeless. He came to the whole hurting. He came to, to me in my failing, failing. And when we fall, Jesus says he will pick us up. It is normal to feel like a failure. It's not normal to stay stuck in that place. Because Christ has something better and greater for each and every one of us. Amen. He is the chain breaker. We sang it this morning, didn't we? My chains are gone. Failure is a chain that roots us into a past which stops us stepping into the future that God has for us. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to break that chain. He is the great chain breaker. He is the one who sets you free from the imprisonment of shame and disappointment. He died on the cross so that you are free from those feelings. They do not define you. Your identity is not someone who is a failure Your identity is someone who is chosen despite your failings. And that is a fundamental difference. And this morning, I want you to take that with you. I want you to see, what does that mean for me? I do not count myself as a failure in Christ. I have failed, but I am redeemed and I am a victor. I have been chosen. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, a man who dedicated his life to ministering faithfully to the Lord, bringing thousands, thousands to faith in Christ. A man who, like I was, like Harry was, felt called out of a life and into a new life with a new purpose. You know, he was a great preacher, but he was a man who felt like a failure for his whole life. That's surprising, isn't it? Because don't Christians have it all together? Especially preachers. Don't they have it? Well, not Spurgeon. He, he suffered from depression. He was insulted by other ministers. They actually said to him that he was a public buffoon. Please don't uh, say that this morning. But, uh, (laughs) But this is what he said about his experience. Down on my knees, I have often fallen with the hot sweat rising from my brow. I know that feeling. 
in an agony of grief, my heart has been well nigh broken. You know, in one of his sermons, several people died because rumors of a fire spread through the congregation and people panicked and stampeded. He reflected on that moment and said that his spirits were so low, he would just weep like a child. He would just weep like a child. He felt broken. He felt the pain of failure. He felt what Moses felt, what I felt, how I believe we felt. Yet, God taught Spurgeon what it meant to trust in him completely. You see, just before his death, Sermon uh, Spurgeon wrote this. He said, when the wind blows cold, he, that's Jesus, always takes the bleak side of the hill. The heaviest end of the cross lies ever on his shoulders. When the wind blows cold, Jesus takes the bleak side of the hill and the heaviest burden of the cross he carries. You see, the pain of failure, the disappointment that comes with it, it blows like a cold wind bringing shame into our very core. But in Jesus, we find shelter. He says, I will take the brunt of that wind and I bore it on the cross. You don't need to let that define you. When we bring our burdens to Christ, he picks up the bits we can't carry and he says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Your failure does not define you. The way God responds to Moses' complaint is amazing. And I believe what God says to Moses, he's got to say to us today. See, God doesn't ignore Moses. He doesn't allow Moses to wallow in a sense of pity or shame. God reaffirms the call that he has placed on Moses. I chose you, Moses, and I still choose you. And this morning, no matter what place you find yourself, God has chosen you and he still chooses you. Right now, you are chosen. You are chosen not because of what you've done. You are chosen because of what he has done. God chose Moses in his weakness. He stands with Moses at his moment of crisis. And he promises to reveal more of himself in the future. There's a pattern for us, isn't it? God's chosen us in our weakness. He stands with us at those moments of crisis. And he promises to reveal more of himself in the future. You see, this is what God has to say in chapter 6 and um, the first few verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. 
Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I didn't make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them and gave them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. See, Moses is given more of God in his weakness than he had before. And the same is true today. When we feel out of our depth, God is with us. I want to share a story um, of a time when I fell out of my depth. Um, and the feelings I had really do, again, resonate with the feelings that are seen with Moses. Um, about just over a year or so ago, uh, I was going to put a new kitchen into our home. Um, I managed to get one for free. So I'll take out the old one and put it in. And then when I was sharing this with my home group leader, Martin, he, he amazingly said, look, I'll come and do it with you. I'm equipped to help you do a great job. And he was. And so we set to work, and we took out the old kitchen, and at the end of the day, we went to put the water back on so that Kerry and the children could come home, and the stopcock snapped. And we were left with a position where well, we can't have any water for the family. So... We, we discussed it together. We were confident. We'd done all this work. We'd achieved so much. We knew what we were doing. We were in it. We're a team. So as team, we took the fateful, as it turned out, decision that what we would do was we were going to cut the stopcock off and put a new one on the top, and the water would come out, but that would be okay. It would be fine. Well, you can probably see where I'm going with this. <laughs> so, we stood there. Martin um, stepped up to do, the, to do the deed, to cut the pipe. I stood there and watched. <laughs> <laughs> the pipe was cut. Water flew out the pipe, hitting the ceiling. I was a bit taken aback by how powerful it was. But it's fine. It's all under control. We've, we've done all the prep. Martin took the the new stopcock, and placed it over the pipe. And then I heard the fateful words, which still stay with me. <laughs> it's the wrong size. <laughs> it doesn't fit. And then, those real great words of encouragement, when I said, well, what do we do? I don't know. <laughs> you see, in that moment, we went from confidence in what we were doing, who we were, to actual helplessness, powerlessness, and fear. What happens next? Thankfully, the water board could come and help us out before uh, any damage was done, so that was, that was wonderful. But um, 
those failings, that's how I feel every time I fail, actually. I feel like I move from a position of control to a place of abandoned helplessness. And then I'm so blessed because in that place, that's where God meets us in Jesus, isn't it? That's when God sends the Spirit to empower us. When in our weakness, he shows us his strength and leaves us not stranded and wet, but leaves us secure, firm in who he is. This morning, when we feel like failure, I want to say this to you. Remember you're not because you are called. And your identity is not defined on what you can and can't do, how you feel, what's happened in the past, what's happening right now. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. My second point this morning is that failure is not terminal. God still sends. God still wants you. God still has a purpose for you. And you are not excluded from that because you've failed. I was reminded um, of an event back in 1999. I don't know if you remember what you were doing and where you were when Manchester United were playing Bayern Munich in a Champions League final. Put your hand up if you're a Man United fan here. Yeah, from London. <laughs> it's memorable for one reason. For in a 93-minute game, Man United failed for 90 minutes. They were losing. And in the last two and a half minutes of that game into extra time, they scored the two goals that won them the cup. You see, victory taken from seeming defeat has more meaning than it does without it. And the same is true with our failure. You see, our failures make God's victory more glorious. Moses is drawn out of failure into the hope of a great victory. It's a, a promise that God makes him. God reaffirms, I will do great things. I will take these people out of slavery. I will reaffirm my commitment that I am your God. Moses is given a new identity. Up to this point, and actually a little bit at the end, we say that Moses has doubted God. These words are spoken in doubt. His identity is, who am I? I can't do these things. I'm not equipped. I'm not the person you need, God. After these events, Moses starts to have a change of tune. You see Moses relying on God and not looking to himself. You see, failure doesn't define Moses, but it's a place where he finds hope. It's his identity. And God still wants Moses. God still has a purpose for Moses. Moses is still God's spokesman. 
He's failed. God still sends him. I failed. God still sends. We failed. God still has a purpose for each and every one of us, and he still sends. And that is wonderful. You see, what's true about Moses is true about us. Jesus has a purpose for you. As you sit here this morning, not one of you is forgotten. Not one of you is insignificant. Every single one of you has something that Jesus wants to partner with you in so that you might know who he is, that you might learn what it is to trust in him and not in yourself. Um, Why does God do that? Why would he want to use me? Well, he does that because he loves you. It sounds simple, but it's so profound. God loves you as you. He loves you so much, he wants to partner with you and make him more like himself. It's amazing. See, this morning, God is speaking to us. God will never fail us. When our hope is lost, God is not. God calls us out of our failure in order to draw us closer to him. There is no better place to be than leaning on our Savior. Remember, the God of hope chose you. He stands with you in your darkest hours. He does not abandon you. He does not reject you. He will never leave you. In fact, he gives his spirit to dwell within us. He uses our failings to show his perfect love for each and every single one of us. And as we come to the end of our morning, I want to finish on these two points. I want to remind you of two incredible truths that will change your life as you wake up tomorrow. The first is this. When you fail, God still chooses you. He has chosen you from the foundations of the earth. In all of your weaknesses and doubt, God has chosen you. On the cross, as Jesus stretched out his arms in sacrifice, he chose you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God chooses you, not because he needs you. He chooses you because he loves you. And my second point I want you to take home with you is when you do fail, God picks you up and sends you out again. You are not redundant. You cannot separate yourself from the love of God. You cannot put yourself outside of God's plans. God has plans for you, and they still stand. And he has new plans for you. God is encouraging us this morning. He is not going to abandon you. God chooses you, and God sends you. And when he sends He goes before you 
preparing the straight paths. Spoken this morning. He stands with you. He doesn't abandon you. And he equips you and says, look what we're going to do. See, there are times when we all feel like failures. We're not here to pretend that's not the case. But remember, in Christ, we are victors. God is encouraging us this morning to hold true to that which you have already been given. What is that? Christ has given you himself. Christ's identity is your identity. We are joint heirs with him and have a glorious future and eternity with him. Be encouraged. Our identity is not defined by how hard we fall. Our identity is defined in that when we do fall, Christ reaches down and picks us up and says, I love you. Let's keep going. Let's keep going.